Welcome back, everyone. My name is Nick Lundberg, and this is the Sports Roundtable, your end-of-the-week sports update on all things Michigan State. We are live from Impact Station at Holden Hall, and I'm here with Carter Fry, the sports contributor at Impact. Welcome back, Carter. Thank you for having me on again, Nick. It is always a pleasure. It's good to see you, and this week we've got a lot going on as it's homecoming week. We've got tons of games to talk about, but first I want to jump right into the hottest team, I think, on campus, which is women's soccer. No doubt about it. Over the weekend, they beat uh, Michigan 2-0, 2-0 for the first win against them in about five years. They haven't lost in a month, and just recently they were ranked for the first time since 2009. 15th in the coaches poll, 22nd in the top drawer soccer poll. And Carter, I've got to ask, is besides the team, is Jeff Hostler the best coach on campus right now? Obviously, we've got some other, you know, legends, you know, Izzo and, you know, the very new Mel Tucker on campus that coming into this year, I think most would say would be the hottest or the most popular coach on campus. But like you just said, they're ranked for the first time since 2009. Women's soccer, every game is kind of a must watch right now for people on campus. And they're just a fun team to watch. They're going up against some of the best competition. They just beat Michigan, like you said, and... They're killing it. It, it. Jeff Hostler is doing an amazing job with this team, and it's really showing. In the last game, they even beat their uh, program record for all-time attendance. They were had about 3,022 people, I believe. So they definitely are must-see on campus. And, I mean, between Lauren Kozel, who could be the best goalie in the country, if if not the Big Ten, the, country, the entire country, you've got players like Jordan Wickes coming off the bench. She earned a lot of honors last week. She's been she has goals in, I believe, her last three games. Lauren DeBoe against Michigan had an assist and a goal. It just seems like the team itself is just firing on all c- cylinders in the past month. Yeah, and like you said, Kozal is just amazing in front of the net. She's getting it done, and that's the reason that they are ranked number 15 in the country right now based on the coaches' poll. And I'm really excited to see what they're able to do as the season continues. Yeah, it's only up from here, it seems like, with Hostler as he won. He's known for winning. At Grand Valley, he won a lot. Uh, Brendan, my other partner, mentioned a couple of podcasts ago that he won about like nine championships at Grand Valley. Um, and he know he just knows how to win. And it's only his second year here. And it just you got to feel good about the women's team. But moving on to men's soccer, the other soccer team on campus, um, they're not as hot, but they've been doing better than they were to start the season. Uh, last Friday, they lost to Penn State, but they beat St. Mary's 2-1 to one earlier this week, um, which was the official end of their non-conference play. They're now, um, five, they now have five wins, five losses, and one draw in the season, and they will face Rutgers Sunday at 2. And it was good to see against St. Mary's some of their players step up, like Will Perkins, when it seems like this game was kind of a must-win. Not a must-must-win, but it was it was a good game to have, especially going into the rest of Big Ten play. Yeah, and, it, you know, to start off the season, they, you know, had some bad non-conference losses, but they've won three out of their last four with their only loss coming to Penn State, as you said. So coming up, they've got only four matches to go uh, the rest of the year, all against very beatable opponents. So even though they're 5-5-2, five, five and two, I am confident that they could finish with – a pretty decent record they could be nine and five who knows exactly and I mean they've been playing a lot better than they were to start the season so who knows how the rest of their season will turn out but they've got some tough tests on the way especially with Rutgers the next game at two on Sunday at two excuse me and but moving on to volleyball 
They started off really hot with a non-conference play, but they've kind of cooled off. We've gone through the Big Ten season. They're only 1-5 in in Big Ten play, but they lost to number 11 Minnesota earlier. They're now 10-7 and on the season, and they will play Michigan tonight um, for a big match at 7.30. And this is for Leah Johnson's first rivalry taste since she's never really been a part of the Michigan State-Michigan rivalry. So it's going to be interesting to see how the team comes out against a rival like Michigan, uh, especially when they haven't done so well in Big Ten play. Right, and yeah, they've played Penn State, Nebraska, and Minnesota their last three games, all ranked opponents, so it's been... Very um, tough stretch. Uh, yeah, very tough stretch for them, and hopefully, yeah, this Michigan game you know, might be more you know, of a game that they can win, and it's a rivalry game at home, so... Hopefully they can get it done. You know, being in the Breslin this year, it's definitely, you know, there's potential for a bigger environment. And if people can show up and, you know, make it, you know, a fun place to play, I think they have a very good shot against Michigan. And people might have some speculation on how good of a coach Leah Johnson is considering that Big Ten record. But you've got to also consider the fact that it's her first year. Most of these players really aren't her players. And it's – I was surprised genuinely to – when they how they started the season, they got off to a very very hot start. But obviously, the gauntlet with Big Ten play, they played about four ranked teams in a row this past week. And um, any team, any especially any team with a new head coach and ro- a lot of roster turnover, is going to struggle in games like those. But some of these, like this Michigan game, is going to be big, especially at home during homecoming week for a new coach to kind of you know make her face you know, more note around campus um, for beating a rival like like Michigan uh, for her first match. But so we'll see how that one turns out. But I want to move on to the other new coach on campus, Adam Nightingale and the hockey team. Their season started, uh, their regular season started over the weekend as they split the Bowling Green series. So they're one and one on the season. The freshmen have been stepping up, most specifically Daniel Russell, who scored two of the first three goals of the season um, team-wise, and the other one came from Tieran Shouty, another freshman. Um, but Daniel Russell had the first goal of the season in that first game against Bowling Green in a loss, and then he scored the game winner with about four minutes left on the road against Bowling Green to split the series. And I'm interested to see how these freshmen kind of make their way, continue to make their way on the roster, especially you have a new coach, you have new players. You, I believe the roster turnover was about 10 or to 12 or so, and it's just a completely different team from last year. And, I mean, I don't think people's expectations should be too high considering it's kind of like volleyball. They have got a lot of new moving pieces and a lot of upstarts coming up. But um, it's good to see some of those freshmen getting in there and making a name for themselves early on. Yeah, this is essentially a whole brand-new program. You just did a huge renovation on your stadium, brand-new coach, ton of roster turnover. It's essentially a whole new team, whole new program. And there's something to be said about being able to have, like, a fresh start kind of starting from scratch or not, there's not this weird period in between, you know, the old and the new. It's, you know, I think they it was a good choice that this year really, re, you know, hit the reset button on the ice hockey program here at Michigan State. And, you know, there are going to be some growing pains, but it, w- it was nice to see them win that second game against Bowling Green after dropping the first. I think that we're going to see a lot of learning from this team this season, and by the end of it, I think we're going to be very optimistic about the future, if we're not already, because I think a lot of people around campus – you know, see a very bright future with the ice hockey program. Yeah, we know Adam Nightingale is a very good recruiter. He came from the t- the U.S. national team, the development team, where we lost to them in the exhibition game earlier this year. But 
we know about the new renovations to Mon. It's absolutely beautiful if you haven't gotten a chance, if anyone out there listening hasn't gotten a chance to kind of make their way through to a hockey game. It's just, it's got to be NHL level. Like, this, the new thing, like the new weight room, the new, like, hockey hall of fame they renovated when you first walk in is just, it's gorgeous. It looks like the Breslin Center, which is kind of what the team needs, especially nowadays with a lot of recruits wanting that kind of, those new facilities that kind of flash. But we know about his track record with developing players. I actually did. I talked to Jared DeMichael, which is one of the the associate head coach, and I didn't know this before the season started that Cal Kale McCarr, if I, I think I'm saying that right, but um, he's one of the best NHL defensemen. And DeMichael joined the UMass staff, the University of Massachusetts staff, after he committed and basically convinced him to stay. Wow. So if that's not telling about a team with we know Nightingale can recruit already, but his assistants being being able to land those kind of names and keep them where they were before and just I mean, hopefully we can see some of that later in the years and bring back that kind of Michigan State hockey mentality that the early two thousands had when that two thousand seven championship. Yeah, and you know, hopefully this these new renovations and this new and the new upgrades in the weight room and all that are also very enticing to players who want to come here. So it seems like they have a lot of recruiting tools at their disposal at the moment. Yeah. So that is very you know promising for everything going on over at Mun. And moving next door, basketball season is right around the corner. We're starting in about three weeks, and I went to Midnight Madness um, last Friday and. Besides all the festivities, it was very fun and all. We obviously the most enticing part of the night is the scrimmages, and the women's team and men's team both faced off. The women's team had about ten minutes of scrimmage, while the men's team had fifteen. And starting with the women's, I wanted to dive into this performance of uh, Aralt. And I don't know if anybody out there was listening was out there for that. She lit absolutely lit it up after missing last year with an injury all season to come out and she just lit it up. She had two threes. She scored at one point she scored eight points in a row on her own and she had a layup to start and she she looked like she did not miss any of last year the way she played. Yeah, no, that's really awesome to see. And there you know, coming into this season for women's basketball, they definitely lost some pieces last year. And uh they're also, you know, somewhat, you know, starting fresh, especially cause, yeah, A-Rol was out for all of last year. Totally new team. Uh, I'm really excited for what they will bring to the Breslin this year. And it seems like every year that I've been here, women's basketball has gotten more pot, or it seems like more people are interested in going to the games and stuff. So, you know, they who knows? We're obviously missing Nia Clowden this year. And, you know, that's going to be, you know, that's going to change the whole team dynamic. But there's no reason why, you know, uh, Susie Merchant can't bring this team into, you know, March Madness and do some damage. Yeah. It's hard to replace a player like Nia Cloudon, especially now that she's in the WNBA. I remember the game she dropped like 50 um, yeah. earlier in the in one of the tournaments uh, last year. But um, a player who's definitely going to play more minutes and have a lot more production this season is Dee Dee Hageman, um, another guard. She's a, She will be a sophomore now. Her and Matilda Eck are the two sophomores that, if the team wants to you know, make a jump from last year, these these two players need to step up. And I believe that in that scrimmage, Dee Dee Hageman, she was just doing what you thought she would be doing last year. She looked more confident out there with the ball. Um, she was making great reads on plays. She had a kick out to Matilda Eck for a corner three that 
obviously with Matilda Eck, it's automatic. She seemingly does not miss from those corner threes, but um, it was nice to see um, our potential starting point guard get out there and look very, very comfortable compared to last year. Yeah, and Hageman, you know, after uh, Winston, uh, Eliza Winston left last year, we definitely saw Hageman, you know, step into her role and, you know, finish the season strong. I thought she had a lot of good performances down the line um, toward the end, right before the Big Ten tournament last year. So, you know, like you said, you know, she played well at Midnight Madness, and hopefully she can continue that into this year and really develop as a player. Yeah, one thing I want to see from her is the aggressiveness to take more shots, and she did hit – a buzzer-beating three at the end of the scrimmage, so that was good to see. Hopefully, that kind of helps with her confidence and you know taking those shots because we it's she can make them. So I'm I'm excited to see what she brings to the table this year for the women's team. But for the men's team, Pierre Brooks really really stood out. I was watching him all throughout the scrimmage, and he kind of looked like not he a different version of young Gabe Brown because we know coming in. When Gabe Brown was young, he loved to just let it fly. And Pierre was out there all around the three-point arc just letting it go, had 100% confidence in his jumper, and they were falling too. He hit about, I would say, five of seven threes, and he just was letting it go, and they were going in. And um, I also wanted to say that he looks a lot better than last year, and we need him to step up because the team is obviously thin at a lot of positions, but... He lost about 20 pounds over the summer. He looks very good. He had a driving layup that really showed um, his you know, new kind of physique. Um, he looked a lot smoother. And so I'm very excited to see what he can do um, coming into this year. Yeah, and he may have dropped 20 pounds, but he definitely hasn't lost any strength yeah. and definitely has gained some as well. And he was Mr. Basketball in high school for a reason. This man can hoop. And yeah, dropping over 50 points a game in the money ball this summer, first player to ever do that in MSU's history. Uh, I definitely think that's an indicator of what's to come this season, and I could not be more excited for Pierre Brooks. He might be like the guy. Even though I, I still think Malik Hall will be the guy this year, Pierre Brooks could easily turn that around really quick. Yeah, there's a lot of questions coming in with this basketball team, and another one was uh, Madi Suzoku, who I thought also had – a pretty decent standout performance. Obviously, you're going against freshman Jackson Kohler and Carson Cooper, which isn't the toughest competition when you're a junior center who's going to be starting in the Big Ten most likely. But I still think he was finishing around the rim with more confidence. He looked like he was playing stronger down low. He had a couple of nice hook shots that I'm hopefully we get to see that develop more this year because we know he's not he's not known for being the most coordinated out of the post um and it's always nice to have that kind of post option um but we know he can run the floor and you know Izzo loves that transition and he can play defense I'm just worried about his getting into foul trouble because he seems sometimes he seems a little lost in the court but in the scrimmage he I believe he only had one foul and he was you know going at we know Kohler coming in has probably for a freshman the best footwork for a big man freshman in the entire country and he got Madi on a couple moves, but it was good to see Madi kind of stay in there against a guy as skilled as Kohler. But I'm excited to see Suzoko's progression throughout the year because this is a very, very big season for him. Yeah, Suzoko, yeah, you mentioned the foul trouble. That's definitely an issue. But every year I'm always like, yeah, I think this could be his year. I really think that he can take the next step this year. Now that, you know, Bingham's out of the way and Marble's gone and, you know, 
he has the chance to really step up and take that five position because as much as I have regained my confidence in Joey Hauser, he should be a four. Yes. He, he belongs at the four. He, I think guarding the five, especially with how tough the centers are in the Big Ten right now, you know, and especially with the tough schedule where, you know, he's got Drew Timmy coming up on November 11th, you know, against Gonzaga. Yeah, that non-conference schedule is crazy. Ooh, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Villanova, and then you've got Alabama, UConn, or Oregon, and then the final of the Phil Knight Invitational if you make it there. You know, and then Notre and then Notre Dame too, who's never, you know, an automatic win when it comes to basketball. And then conference play starts, so it's it's a really rough start to the season. I'm not sure there's any other team in the country that can say that they have that tough of a schedule. There's no way. Yeah. That any team matches that. So Michigan State, you know, they have the Grand Valley State and the Northern Arizona game to start the year to, you know, kind of get some, you know, floor under their feet. But after that, it, it it's go time. You're you're playing against the big dogs. So literally, Gonzaga, you know, going against the Bulldogs. <laughs> exactly. And, um, I mean, that game, that first exhibition matches in about three weeks against Grand Valley. Um, <clears throat> same as the women's. They'll take on Saginaw Valley State in about three weeks. But I want to talk about the future of the men's team as over the weekend they hosted some big-time recruits, four-star James Brown, who's a big man, and the son of Jason Richardson, four-star shooting guard Jace Richardson, um, who plays a little bit of a different style than Jason, the high-flying Richardson. But next year we obviously know about the touted recruiting class with five-star Xavier Booker, four-star Jeremy Fears, Garrick Normand, Cohen Carr, who, by the way, Cohen Carr might be my favorite recruit of the past couple years. Oh, because I'm so excited. That I'm so dude, excited. That dude can jump out of the gym. He reminds me so much of Brandon Dawson, but oh, he's yeah. got a little bit more flair on those dunks. But, I mean, Izzo, it seems like he's been hosting other four stars as well these past couple weeks. So it seems like after a couple rocky recruiting classes, he's kind of starting to pick it back up because he realizes that. And I've, I've, everyone's been talking about how I remember I was watching like the Draymond Green podcast mm-hmm. um, before the all the pool stuff, but we, we don't we don't have to get into that. But um, Another day. Yeah, exactly, another day. But he mentioned how Izzo is basically at his most um, – He's very he he wants to win another championship very very badly and you can tell by the way he's been going after recruits obviously with this past recruiting class um, getting a getting five star Xavier Booker was a very very big deal um, so I'm very very excited to see what um, other recruits will join um, in future classes and I I feel like Izzo if he keeps recruiting like this is definitely on his way to hope maybe another championship. Yeah, I, we I think we all remember that that period over the summer where yeah they got they got Booker, Fears, Carr, maybe they got Fears way yeah they got Fears earlier, but Carr, Normand, and Booker all declared within a little over a week, mm-hmm. and I af, after he got Carr, everyone was like okay, Izzo's back guys, Izzo's back. <laughs> exactly. So, and then did he sign an extension? He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he right reaffirmed his yes. Spartan for life commitment. Yes. So yeah, so then yeah, Booker obviously could be the best center in the class. He's insane. I cannot wait for him. Jeremy Fears, he played at Lalamir last year where Jaron Jackson, uh, Jordan Poole, Brian Bowen all all played. I got to see them in high school. That's one of my basketball flexes from <laughs> from back in the day. But he left and now he's playing with his brother in uh at his high school in Chicago. His brother's a bucket too. His brother is a bucket and they're doing amazing this year yeah. over in Chicago. So 
Very fun to look out for. I know they're trying to win a state championship. That's why he went back there. Definitely a player to watch this season as you know we gear up for this huge recruiting class coming in. And I wanted to switch over. We've got to talk about football, unfortunately. Uh, why, do we? <laughs> I know I asked this last time. but It's, it's not gotten any better. But nope. I want to start off with uh, we had a four-star O-lineman decommit, Clay Wedden from Florida. And, I mean, I feel like this is just kind of what's – the normal in college football now, especially when you have a team that had such high expectations going into the season um, and has fa- kind of failed to live up to those expectations. You've got guys who they promised maybe more wins than what they're looking at on the scoreboard or on the record sheet. And I mean, guys are just going to jump ship, which I mean, obviously it's very, still very kind of early in the recruiting process for next year, but it's kind of telling when, you can't. You're gonna lose a couple guys when you can't, you know, live up to some of your promises. You know, I, I think this is just the start. That's not gonna be the only recruit we lose. And it, it, I hope more. Not. More will probably, you know, follow soon because, you know, when you see this, there's the mentality like, oh, do I want to go to a program like this? Or some guys, I bet, see it and go, oh, I know I'm better than that guy. You know, who's playing my current position, and I can make a change. And you know, I want to be a part. You know, so there are those guys, and those are the guys that. You obviously want to be in East Lansing, you know, but yeah, if you can't sell your program, why would guys stay, especially in this era of, you know, in the past, if you decommitted from somewhere, other coaches would see that as, oh, this guy's not loyal, you know, and they wouldn't, you know, other schools wouldn't want him. But now in this, you know, everyone's switching teams every single year, no one cares if you decommitted or no one cares, you know, no one cares if you went somewhere else first and now you're here. They just want, you know, they just want you. Exactly. And, and doesn't matter what program you're going to if you decommitted or what whatever it's yeah yeah and now i mean i want to talk about a positive of the week but we got to talk about how cj stroud with another magical performance against michigan state like last year he had six total touchdowns over 300 yards marvin harrison jr made one of the best catches i've seen this year um just in a crazy grab over i believe it was charles brantley just manhandled him he did yeah, and that I mean, you can tell he's the son of an NFL legend uh, after that catch. But I want to mention the uh, bright spot on the team was Bryce Berenger. He won the Ray Guy Punter of the Week, and Mel Kuyper, as of now, has him as the number one punter in the NFL draft. He better. And I, I really, really believe that this guy could be a very good NFL punter because he makes booting it 60 yards just look, just look easy. It's fun. when I watch NFL games now, and I see a punt. I watch it, and I go, "Bryce Barrett, he could do that. <laughs> uh, he he could do that easy." And yeah, he will. He should go to the NFL as soon as he can. And yeah, he 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 could be the next Ray guy. Who knows? Yeah, as a as a Lions, he's fan, that good. At, exactly. As a Lions fan, I know what you know. Good special teams looks like because that's usually all we have. And Jack Fox is probably the best punter in the league. And I really think that Bryce Barringer. Maybe he doesn't have these as strong of a leg as some of these NFL guys, but he can locate it with the best of them. He and he can certainly he always has the perfect bounce on his punts. So hopefully, looking forward to seeing him next year on Sundays. Um, you know, making things happen. But looking ahead to Wisconsin, kind of a must-win game coming up for bowl purposes. If you kind of still want to be have that six wins to qualify, um, they fired their head coach early this year. They're only 3-3 three and three in the season, but they did dominate Northwestern last week. And no games, obviously, especially with this team, are gimmies. 
but you kind of have like I feel like this really now is a must-win game if you want to get a decent bowl game. Yeah, I think there's still that tinge of hope that at least some MSU fans are holding on to that like, okay, maybe we can still finish the season strong. If we lose first Wisconsin, it's over. It's a give up on the yeah. season, especially if it's if we turn out a performance like the Minnesota game or Ohio State where it's we're not competitive at all. And if that happens, no, there's no way. And then we got Michigan coming up next. If we're coming off all these losses going into rivalry week, it's, it's not happening. And it's I re- just not. I really want to see, because I know Wisconsin likes to play that sluggish style of football where they kind of just run it at first two downs and then pass it for a first down. They're kind of like that kind of team. And But I want to see the offensive playbook kind of open up and more things happen. I do not believe in the... Noah Kim hype, unfortunately. I think that Thorne is not the problem, even though he does he has had some decision making issues this year. I believe this is a problem that the reason the team is not doing well is with not just Thorne, but the whole team, especially the offensive line. They've really been kind of a downer this year. Um they can't run it their run game has not been good because there's no holes and obviously we don't have K nine to kind of make things happen like we did last year which still miss him, but the same problems with defenses last year. Uh, the offensive p- play calling, obviously when you lose a guy like Walker and Naylor and have a line like this, it's harder, but it, it just seems like it hasn't been there this year. No one seems to have developed, but I, I, I hope that this game can kind of be a stepping stone for the rest of the season and maybe finish off with six wins and go into a lower bowl game and make, hopefully make something happen. Yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of now or never. But with with the Noah Kim thing, here's here's how I look at it. Every time that I think I've seen him come out, the game was pretty much given up on. Not not necessarily by the score, like it still would have been possible, but the team had given up mentally for sure by that by every time I've seen him come out this year. So to me, it's never really felt like Thorne got benched or anything. But and the one thing that makes it okay for me that Noah Kim has been coming in is that he's been good. Yeah. He's been better than Thorne every time he's come in. And obviously that's you have to look at that with, you know, some tinted sunglasses on because it's usually late in the game and Ohio State has their subs in too. Yep. And it's definitely not the same and you're not playing for, you know, an actual game when it's out of hand like that. But being able to see those flashes, it gives me some hope that after Thorne's gone, maybe, you know, we'll have some him and Hauser or, you know, Kate and Hauser will have some competition next year and we won't be totally reliant on just this one recruit coming in so you know and yeah honestly if we're losing by 40 against wisconsin on saturday throw kate and hauser in there i want to see it well let's yeah. see it we're as long as you don't burn his red shirt i'm all for getting him some more snaps I, I was gonna say that would be the one thing but if we're going out and seeing us getting blown out every single week why not you know see the guys that everyone is curious about and are excited for for next year yeah if it I mean, if it helps the team, I personally don't believe that starting him in any serious situation would help the team over no. Thorne. No. Um, but anything that you know makes makes it look a little bit better, I'm all for. So we'll see what happens this weekend. But should be hopefully MSU can. This is the start of a little season mid season turnaround. And it's homecoming. You would think that yep. there's a little edge added to it. You know, game day is a little more you know excited than they have been the past couple weeks because. To be honest, East Lansing's been a li- you know compared to what it was first three weeks of the year, it's been a little dead the past two. Yeah, hopefully, so homecoming should bring some juice the city alive again. Hopefully, yeah. 
But that's all the time we have for today. I want to say thank you, Carter, for hopping on again. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening. We will see you next Friday for another edition of Sports Roundtable. Peace out.